Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show, the program for people who love animals. I'm Marie Hewitt, and today we'll be speaking with Nancy Burris from the National Cat Protection Society and Mark Moffat, author of Adventures Among Ants, a global safari with a cast of trillions. I don't know about you, but I'm fascinated by ant societies, and I expect I suspect you're going to be really surprised at how complex they really are. This and more are coming straight after the break, so stay tuned to Retro 1260 for another fun episode of the Pet Place Radio Show. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on AM 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'd like to give a heartfelt welcome to a very hardworking woman in animal rescue. It's Nancy Burris, the operations manager from the National Cat Protection Society. Welcome to the Pet Place, Nancy. Thank you, and thank you for having me here. Well, first of all, let's hear a little bit about the National Cat Protection Society. Okay. Now, National Cat Protection Society is a private nonprofit shelter where we uh, house owner-relinquished owner cats and kittens. We do have two shelters, one in Newport Beach and one in Spring Valley, which is in eastern San Diego County. Okay. And how long have you guys been around? Well, we just celebrated our 42nd anniversary. Wow. <laughs> yes, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Did you do something special for the big event? Well, what we do every year is each shelter has their own open house and fundraiser. Newport has theirs in May and Spring Valley has theirs in June. And uh, this is an annual event where we welcome our members and the community to come into the shelter and view our kitties, play with them. They get to pet a bunch of them. And um, we have some refreshments for them. And But the big thing for our fundraising part is that we have a silent auction and raffle prizes that they can you know, participate in. Wow. So uh, the local businesses and members and um, friends, they generously donate to us so we can make up nice gift baskets and provide gift certificates and things like that for the silent auction. I really appreciate the fact that, that you're working specifically with cats because shelters and rescues have such a difficult time placing kitties. Most animal shelters, for example, uh, only about 2% of the kitties that come into shelters get redeemed by owners, which means the other 90 per, 98% they have to find homes for, and that's a pretty daunting task. So the fact that you take some of these owner-relinquished kitties mm-hmm takes away some of the burden from the shelters, and, and I think that's fabulous that you're able to do this. Well, we're happy to provide the services for them because we do see the big need out there for it. And, um, of course, especially in the, with the economy the way it is now, we're just inundated, as are other shelters, you know, with calls from people having to give up their their, their kitties and other pets, too, because, you know, they're having to downsize or move or whatever. Do you try to counsel people who are giving up their kitties who, oh, mm-hmm. who might actually be able to keep them if they just, you know, oh. get a little help <laughs> and maybe steer them into the right direction? Absolutely. We certainly do. We try to uh, give them, you know, some 
tips and guidelines, other things that they could do to see if maybe they could take the, the kitty with them or, um, you know, um, talk with their friends or family to see if maybe, you know, someone uh, that they know that could take the cat, but especially mm-hmm. the, you know, a person that the cat might be familiar with. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. It is very stressful for a kitty to be in a home and then all of a sudden find itself in a sheltering facility. It is. How do the cats react for the most part once they come to National Cat Protection? Well, they, um, you know, sometimes they act scared or they'll just kind of, you know, get in the back of their cage and, and just, you know, they're just don't know what's happening because you have to realize that they're in not only a new place, but they've got all these different smells and sounds they're not used to. So we do have an area we, that we call orientation where we take the kitties in there, and this is a place where they can kind of chill out, keep it kind of quiet. Um, volunteers can come in and they know how to interact with them and kind of, you know, pet them and and um, just try to acclim- help the cat acclimate the- itself to the shelter life. Okay. And um, we do that before we put them in into introduce them into a big room. If there's um, a cat that we determine that it's not uh, good with other cats, and there that you know that happens quite often too. Some cats just don't like other cats. Yes. And so even though we have a large room that we have for adults that are up for adoption. Uh, we just slowly introduce it to the, to okay. the big room. Okay, that makes sense. So yeah. would you say then the majority of your kitties live in uh, groups rather than in individual pens? Yes, okay. yes, right, yeah. And are they pretty happy lounging together? Oh, they are. Playing? They really are because, <laughs> you know, they are, um, they like to be in colonies. You know, you feral cats, they live in colonies, and they all, you know, get along. They know how to get into their own pecking order, I guess you'd say, And um, um, but for the most part, they do get along very well. If you notice that a couple cats in particular seem to be very bonded to each other, do you try to place them together when people come to adopt? Um, That's, um, if they're siblings, we do. Okay. If, um, so if they've been given up by the same owner and mm-hmm. they've lived their whole life together, you try right. to keep them together. If yes, and but that doesn't necessarily mean that they can't be separated because a lot of times they will do just fine. Okay. But fortunately, we do have uh, several people who are looking for two because they realize you know they will have a companion, especially if they're working. If the people are, aren't home quite as often as they'd like to be, and um, this gives the kitty you know a companion, someone he's you know used to play with okay and that helps too now are you required to have your kitties spayed and neutered like county shelters or city shelters are that's our own own personal private requirement we do we spay and neuter all of our kitties that's wonderful and um, um, they're spayed and neutered in fact when they come to us they're evaluated Uh, we give them a three-in-one shot they are tested for feline leukemia and, um, of course, the spay and neutering, and we also give them advantage, and we microchip them. Outstanding. So all of that is done before they're, they're even put up for adoption. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot of volunteers that work there, so they get to know the personalities of the kitties. Oh, they do. They do. You, do. do you take that into consideration when people are coming to adopt a kitty? Let's say there's a, a family that wants a kitty that's exceptionally playful. Mm-hmm. Would you be able to direct them to 
that particular type of personality? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Not only do our volunteers know that, but our our adoption counselors do too. They know the, the personalities of the cats. So when a person does come in to adopt, the first thing we have them do is complete adoption application. And then we interview them, we talk with them, we try to find out, you know, their needs and, you know, what their family situation is, and then we can help direct them to a kitty that we think would be a good match for them because we want it to be a, a good match good. for both for the okay. kitty and, and for the people. Do you also require that if somebody adopts a kitty that it remain indoors for safety and health yes, reasons? Yes, absolutely. We really do. That's good yeah. to know. I bet a lot of people are still a little put off by that. They do. You know, um, a lot of people don't understand that. In fact, I didn't until I started working there. Um, um, a lot of people think, oh, they, you know, they need to go outdoors. They need fresh air. They need, to, you know, to catch the mice, <laughs> you know, things like uh-huh. that. And uh, we do get occasional calls. I'm looking for a mouser, you know. And, uh, no, I'm sorry, you need to call a different shelter. But, um, no, we educate them, too. And that's one of our missions is, is to provide humane education, and uh, that's part of it. I think most shelters now, even, even uh, public shelters, are requiring people to keep their cats indoors now for many, many oh, reasons. Sure, sure. But it, it really upsets me to listen to people saying why their cats should be allowed to be outside. Mm-hmm. My own best friend, I, I would argue with her all the time. Oh, we're we're still best friends. <laughs> but she would have her kitties be indoors and outdoors, and mm. she lives out in Canyon Lake where mm. there's lots of foothills and lots of coyotes. coyotes yes. She lost three kitties. Coyotes, oh and it wasn't until after losing the third one that she said, "You know what? You're right. I need to keep my cats inside." But you know, it's amazing. It's not just people who live out in Canyon Country that have coyotes. We have them right in town. Absolutely. Um, there's um, uh, a country club near me, and I had a coyote on my patio one morning. Oh my goodness! And I live right in town, so <laughs> it's just like, okay, hi, Wiley. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> But not just the coyotes, too. There are cars outside, car, mm-hmm. infectious diseases. My uh, my boss, actually, at work just lost one of her kitties to FIP, oh. and she was devastated. She had no idea that that was a problem because her kitty just stayed in her front yard or her backyard. Yeah. But lots of other neighborhood cats mm-hmm. would come through, and, and FIP is contagious. Exactly, and that's, that's just it. People don't realize that. And there's other things out there. You know, they uh, can go into a neighbor's yard that might have some poison out, sure. and, um, they, you know, cats can get into that, and just lots of things. There are so many dangers, and, and kitties mm-hmm. are perfectly content <laughs> to lay by a sunny window and just enjoy life oh. indoors. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> true. They sure do. <laughs> you just provide them with some toys and give them attention, like you should anyway, mm-hmm. and they're perfectly happy with Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're safe and they live much longer lives. They yeah. do, exactly. Yeah. Nancy, how do you get involved in working with kitties? <laughs> well, um, I've always had animals as a child, and um, um, I learned about National Cat through um, uh, through a friend, and um, I thought, well, that it sounds like a neat thing to do, you know, to work with the animals. And at any rate, I went and met up with them and found out that they had an opening. And been 12 and a half years later, I'm still Oh, my there. goodness. <laughs> you must really enjoy what you do. I do. I really do. It's really, really fun. I and, would love uh, playing with kitties all day. Yeah. <laughs> I've always got two or three on the desk. <laughs> and, of course, yeah. you are always in need of volunteers. Yes, we are. We are always accepting volunteers, um, even um 
uh, children as long as they're accompanied by an adult. Oh, that's great because uh-huh. a lot of places don't allow children. Oh, no, we do. We welcome children. In fact, Wonderful. we have a student awards program going on right now. Oh, let's hear about that. Yeah, we have uh, uh, certain requirements. There's three levels, and um, we pattern it after the Olympics. So you have the bronze, the silver, and gold medals that they can earn. And uh, each level has uh, certain criteria that they must do in order to earn the medal. And um, it just kind of graduates. And they have to volunteer a certain amount of hours. And um, uh, they will learn different things at each different level. Um, at one, the highest level, they even work with our vet tech. He'll show them proper ways of grooming and doing certain things. Oh, how fun. And it's really neat. And they get a certificate after each completing each level and their medal. They get a medal. Okay. It has paw prints on it and bronze, Aww. silver, and gold. <laughs> and it's really, really nice. So and that's at both locations? Uh, actually, right now, it's just at our Newport Beach location. Okay. And we're just kind of getting it going and um, kind of publicizing it now. Now, this so. information is on your website? It is on our website. Well, let's give that out because I'm sure you have your adoptable pets, your hours, your shelter locations, everything else. So let's get that out there. Okay. Our website is natcat, N-A-T-C-A-T dot org. Okay. Natcat dot org. That's easy enough to remember. (laughs) Okay. Well, Nancy, the National Cat Protection Society is a fabulous organization, and it's one that all of us at the Pet Place family support wholeheartedly. So thanks for visiting with us today and sharing your stories. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Okay. Well, we need to take a quick break now, but stay right where you are because the Pet Place Radio Show will be back in just a moment here on Retro 12. Welcome back to the Pet Place Radio Show on KGIL Retro 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt, and joining me now is an extraordinary fellow who can tell you everything you'd ever want to know about ants. <laughs> Hi, Mark. This is Mark Moffat, author of Adventures Among Ants, a global yeah. society. Yes, Marie. Uh, ask me any questions. Ask That's right. you any question. Well, you know, Mark, this is the Pet Place Radio Show, and, and we're uh, going a little to the fringe of what Pet Place normally covers, but I remember when I was a kid I had one of those little plastic ant houses where I could watch the ants all tunnel through, and I had names for all my ants, so they were my pets. That's correct. Uh, Many of us started off that way, tragically, in fact, because, of course, those uh, little ant farms, as they're called, uh, usually didn't include the queen. So the workers that were in there usually became rather despondent and slowly died away in front of our small, innocent selves. Yeah, that that is true. That that was a little little upsetting. And you know what? I always thought it was my fault, and I wasn't taking care of them properly, and... And I'd get really frustrated because I was following all the directions and what to provide and everything else. Yes, well, this is the first bit of advice for those pet owners out there that have an ant farm. Do not take it personally. <laughs> you have to have the queen. The queen, as you'll find out in the book Adventures Among Ants uh, that I wrote, the queen is the mother of all the ants. She is not actually their leader. She should just simply be called the mother because she doesn't actually give out rules. But without their mom around, ants get very depressed. And then they don't start to work, and it all kind of falls apart. So, uh, you know, ants and humans share that. Okay. Now, what is your background? How did you get involved studying ants? 
Well, uh, I started out uh, just watching them like kids do down on the ground, and I did have my own version of an ant farm, build it myself. And uh, my question is, therefore, why everyone else stopped studying ants, because everyone else was doing just dandy when they were in diapers down there in the dirt with me. Uh -huh. I thought it was the thing to do, and uh, the reason, I think, is because ants, even as children, we recognize they have a lot in common with us. They're always... They're social creatures. They're building together. They're hunting together. They're working together for the common good of a, a society, and that's really what ants do, and that's what still fascinates me about them. You know, that fascinates me, too, and, and I've had so many discussions, uh, heated discussions with my husband about ants because I really do believe they have this really complex society that almost mirrors human society, and I love your book because it totally <laughs> makes all of my arguments uh, real. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, that's because, you know, ants may not be the brightest uh, little creatures on the planet. Well, but I know do. plenty of uh, not-so-bright humans <laughs> also. And we still manage to live in a society together. How is that? And uh, that's because... Uh, to survive in a large group, and ants have to do it like humans in groups of thousands and sometimes even millions, you have to get the right things done. You have to have the right highways, moving the right supplies around to the right places. You have to have the right organization. You have to deal with all kinds of things like uh, warfare and terrorism. Believe it or not, ants have all kinds of issues going on. Agriculture, they raise their food. They're doing all these things. Not uh, don't they? Don't, that doesn't mean that they uh, they're bright about it. They've just over the long eons of time have learned how to solve the same problems we have. You mentioned that they grow their own food. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, there are only certain ants that do this. Uh, really well. There are quite a few ants that like raise aphids. You've probably seen those in your backyard and their rose bushes and those aren't necessarily the most desirable ants to have and many of those are kind of invasive species so I don't even uh, support those ants. But they um, uh, raise these uh, little aphids as as we would cattle for uh, they milk them and instead of milk they get a, something called honeydew which has lots of the nutrients they need and there are certain kinds of ants that do this and, and rely totally on their their little aphids and eat nothing else and they actually are nomadic and travel with their aphids and bring them to fresh pastures all the time really and then there are agricultural ants that actually raise food and and giant gardens, and those are the leafcutter ants that you've probably seen in videos about South America carrying those leaves. They don't actually eat those leaves. They chop them up and turn them into a mulch on which to grow fungi because they eat mushrooms, and that's all they need. They grow these things. It has a complete diet. They keep their mushrooms healthy. They even use pesticides on them, uh, environmentally friendly pesticides, of course, because they are ants. And, uh, you know, they're totally in, united as we are with our, our crops. They're united with their fungi, and they rely on them totally. They have some pretty amazing underground tunnels, too. I remember watching a show on discovery or science or something a, a couple of years ago where some entomologists actually poured concrete down into the ant tunnel system, and when they took away all the remaining earth and just had their concrete left over, it was literally miles of ant tunnels in these elaborate 
systems with rooms and, and everything else. It was amazing. Yes, it actually looks like a three-dimensional science fiction city when you actually take uh, the soil away and look at all those tunnels. And then the highways stretch out from those tunnels. Those tunnels can go down uh, 25, 30 feet and contain thousands of chambers and special garbage disposal places where they get rid of their, their trash. They're very, very organized. And the highways that go out can go for hundreds of feet and be connected by beltways going around the colony. So if you actually map the colony out from, from an airplane, it would look exactly like you know a map of the city of Washington, D.C. or Boston. That's just incredible to me. And, and the ants all have their own little specialized jobs, too, don't they? They don't all just do the same thing. Well, it's like human societies again. You know, in our smaller societies, when we were hunter-gatherers, everyone sort of had to be able to do everything because there were not that many people to work together, just a dozen or two. And so the smaller society is advanced, and there are ants that have that size society. Everybody kind of has the capacity to do everything. But as societies get bigger, both in ants and humans, you have to divide up the labor and until you get to these huge colonies. And some of those colonies have all kinds of specialists. So there are ones that actually are involved with highway building. There are others that uh, go collect the food. The, the, the defense squads with the soldiers. There are the nursing ants that, that stay uh, with the nurseries underground. This sort of thing. Okay. And and how do they decide what jobs they're going to have? Well, you know, you don't get a lot of choice in the <laughs> ant world. Um, it's sometimes decided uh, at birth, basically, because. Uh, you know, you can tell a doctor or a lawyer or a, a construction worker by what they wear in a human society. And in ants, you can tell who does what often by their size and shape because they're literally built to do the job. So a soldier will have lots of muscles and power for fighting, and so you can see that. And um, so they're born to that size and shape, and there's, they stick with that job for the rest of their lives. Uh, but there's still some choice. Ants can become better at certain things. They can get to know a certain area around the nest really well and a certain kind of plant that they become particularly good at, at harvesting food from. So uh, like uh, a person practicing the violin, an individual ant can get its own little uh, speciality going. Okay. And is it true that ant societies are pretty much all female societies? This is correct. The male ant really uh, isn't much to look at, I'm afraid. Well, yeah. what do they do? How many are they are there in relation to the females? Uh, how many? Well, they produce the colony produces a few of them once a year usually, just a few. The male ants uh, are kind of what you would call couch potatoes. That's a scientific term meaning they lie around and do nothing. <laughs> And uh, the females, therefore, try to throw them out at their earliest convenience, and they fly off and mate with uh, the, the young queens that emerge from other colonies in these flights that happen usually in the spring in the United States. And those young queens uh, land to the ground and dig their first chamber and start rearing their own uh, workers, and then they form their own society. But the males die immediately. So male ants have sex and die. That's all they get. Wow, and then they get thrown out, too, so they have to die out on their own, alone yes. and cold. <laughs> yes, you might think of a few people that deserve this kind of treatment, but male ants all get it, and then the females are all a sisterhood. They're there with their mother, the queen, 
and they're a very tight-knit family. That's why they're so unified, and that's why they will, you know, throw themselves to their death to defend the colony. So if you uh, manage to sit on the anthill, they will let you know about it. Wow. Now, I understand that there's a, a species of ants that's actually working its way from the south that's sort of a pretty serious threat. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, there are a number of uh, ants that are invasive species that come from somewhere else, and these are ants that are extremely good. They're kind of like humans are. They're very good at getting around and then conquering things when they get there. And so these are some of the less desirable ants. There are, in fact, a lot of ants that do a lot of ecological good, and uh, I'd like to talk about those. But then uh, the, the ones that invade your kitchen are usually these problem ants from somewhere else. And in the American South, it's the fire ant, uh, which came from Argentina, the uh, red imported fire ant. And in Southern California, there's the Argentine ant, also from Northern Argentina. And Northern, Northern Argentina is the breeding ground from, for some of these worst invasive ants on Earth. They just uh, have gotten so good at fighting in Northern Argentina against each other that if they get out of there, they basically conquer everything they touch. So they're going to so they, wipe out the good ants then? They are wiping out the good ants. In fact, they wipe out all the good ants, uh, and they completely blanket the ground. So uh, if you uh, travel anywhere in the American South and sit in the wrong spot, the pain is immense from these ants. And I am not responsible. They are not the good ants. And we're uh, working hard to try to figure out how to get rid of them, but ants, being social and uh, very effective in groups, are very hard to uh, remove once they take over ground, that's for that sure. That is definitely true. Well, Mark, I think our listeners would just to love to, to read more about this. This is just fascinating. Um, where can we get your book really quick? We only have a few seconds. Oh, uh, Adventures Among Ants, you can check out the website with the name Adventures Among Ants or, you know, your local bookstore. If they don't have it, complain. Okay. Well, Mark, thanks for being on the Pet Place right now, and we really appreciate your time. My pleasure. We need to take one last break, but we'll be back in just a bit, so please stay tuned to the Pet Place radio show here on Retro 1260. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. The Surf City Animal Response Team is hosting its annual pet fair in the park at Mile Square Park in Fountain Valley. The event is scheduled from 9.30 to 2 p.m. and will have lots of fun activities for you and your pets. You won't want to miss out on this one. And don't forget to check out the Pet Place website at petplace.org to find out more Pet Place news. And once there, click on the contact link and say hi or give us some suggestions for topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show. That's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend here on AM 1260. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please stay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day. Thank you.